Hey guys, welcome to the Learn Feng Shui podcast, where you'll learn feng shui from a classical point of view, taking out the myth and superstition. So if you're interested in learning feng shui, Chinese astrology, all things Chinese metaphysics, as well as the superstitions and myths that connect it all, you'll enjoy learning feng shui with me. What is a feng shui activation and how does it work? Let's explore that on today's episode. So you may have heard the term feng shui activation and you're kind of like, what is that? You know, I talked about it last week uh, when we're talking about activating certain energies within the home. So a way I can describe a feng shui activation is kind of like doing acupuncture on your home to get a certain result. So just like when you go to an acupuncturist, you know, if you've ever been they will, you know, see what's going on. They'll kind of assess the situation. You know, what do you need to achieve? They'll hit certain meridian spots within your body, you know, certain channels, certain nerves, and that's supposed to alleviate whatever symptoms you're having, right? So the house is a lot the same way in that we're doing acupuncture to alleviate um, issues that could be presented in your environment. Um, it can also be used to trigger really good energies. So just the way we hit a meridian spot within our body with acupuncture, you can hit a meridian spot within your home to trigger really good energy within your home. So there's different energies we like to tap into. Let's kind of look at some of the things we would activate. An example of some of these energies would be flying stars. So uh, at the beginning of each year, I always see consultants, you know, they'll usually do um, kind of a yearly energy type of seminar, and they'll talk about activating some certain areas for the year, you know, which areas are the best, which are the worst. And usually they'll suggest you do a feng shui activation where some of the good flying stars fall, particularly that number eight star, because it's, you know, called the wealth starts associated with work and money. And so that's a popular one that uh, a lot of consultants will have you activate. Another one is kind of looking again at the yearly energies. Um, there's specific energies that come in every year. You know, some are helpful energies, you know, they can bring in um, people that could help you or you could collaborate with. There's energies that are associated with um, being noticed or fame. There's energies that are associated with wealth. And so certain up sector, certain areas of the home, um, you can trigger the energy specifically if you do it on certain days. So there's certain days that some of these energies come in, you know, it's combined with date selection and you activate a certain area and it has a really good supporting energy that's pretty specific to what you want to activate. Another example would be something that is very specific to you. So we activate energies that are specific to maybe your personal energy. They can be very specific to your home and kind of tie into your energy and um, produce a really good result that's pretty specific. So um, a few episodes ago when I did the Q&A, I talked about feng shui to start a family and the gentleman that you know, wanted to conceive a child, you know, they were actually able to conceive using bed placement and date selection. And that's, that can't be done in a general way. It's very specific to each person. So I consider certain aspects and I pick a really good date to pick a really good time and a specific area of the home. And you can get fairly specific results, um, kind of like that, like conceiving a child, but there's other things you can do too. So if you have something fairly specific, you want to achieve, you can definitely do that with a feng shui activation. And again, those are really specific to your energy and your home. 
And then there's feng shui formulas you can follow. Um, this kind of goes with what I just talked about with specific activations, but there is feng shui formulas you find within your home um, using that feng shui low pan. Um, I think most people are fairly common with the eight sectors of the home. You know, you can add touches or activations to those eight sectors, or you could break those down into what are called the 24 mountains. So that is the eight sectors broken down into three subsectors. So for example, North would have three sectors to it. So you have North one, two, and three. You'd have South one, two, and three. You would have East one, two, and three. And so this kind of breaks the degrees into your home down to some 15 degree increments. So a lot of people are kind of familiar with that. And within that, you can actually find things like the animal sign that you have within your Zodiac, and you can enhance those areas. And there's other really specific formulas too, like um, I think a lot of people kind of are familiar with the term of Shuenkong Dagua, which can take and narrow a small little tiny five degree increment down and um, activate it. Again, this is kind of like working with acupuncture in a home. Um, it activates a small little area, triggers it, and it can be beneficial to you. Now that we've talked about what you may want to activate, let's talk about how to activate it. You're like, how do I do this? <laughs> so one way uh, would be to put water. It's probably the most popular way. And it's if you put a fish tank, if you put a basin and just get a small pump from, say, your local garden center. That way it keeps the uh, water kind of moving around. So water is one of the best conductors of energy or chi. Um, and that comes from the name feng shui itself. So again, feng shui translates to wind and water, and this comes from Guapu's burial book, where he states that chi or energy, it's dispersed by the wind and it gathers at the boundaries of water. So for that reason, again, we really look to water to hold and collect energy in the area, which is the goal of doing an activation. Another way to do this is to have a small oscillating fan. Maybe you can't put a fish tank out. Have a small oscillating fan and have it move around. I just leave them out um, until they die. I feel like the ones at my husband's office this year have just kept dying. So I don't know what's going on with that. <laughs> but uh, movement in the area just generally really using and being in the area can activate it and um, a candle so a candle is another one of my favorites I really like to use the Northeast and the South so in the Northeast remember that is the home sector of the eight star so it represents eight and this year of course the eight flying star is there for the year so it's a really good area to just stick a candle in for the year and kind of keep it going prayer candles work amazing because they stay lit for a few days one of the explanations i've heard for using a candle is that you know the act itself of like being spiritual praying you know meditating um all these type of activities are represented itself by the element of fire. And of course that candle has a flame that flickers and moves. You can use a flameless candle, but I do prefer uh, personally to use a, a prayer candle. And so it just kind of depends on what you're working with. Alternatively, you can use again, a you know fake flickering flame candle. If you can't have candles in your home or your office, whatever, wherever you're doing this activation app. So, but I do really do love prayer candles for an activation. I almost forgot to mention also bamboo and water. So if you take a tall column of water and you place maybe three bamboo in there, so I would say do odd number. What I've learned is that in odd numbers associated with deities, with the heavenly realm. So if you do an odd number, it's 
you know, considered to be an activation. An even number is more of the man realm. So we want to, again, implore deities to aid us and to help us too and to trigger these energies off. So a tall column of water with three bamboo in it work really good specifically for areas that are associated with what is called the peach blossom. So the north, south, east, and west, all the cardinal directions within our home are associated with the peach blossom animals. So we can use the bamboo and water, which is said to be of course, the element of water and wood and represent also the flying star number one, flying star number four, which again are water and wood and is considered a peach blossom. And if you're unfamiliar with the term peach blossom, it is said to be an energy that governs your general charisma, likability, and attraction. I'm going to mention it's just really about triggering the energy and having a really big trigger of energy. So, um, moving furniture is said to activate an area. So, specifically, when you're dragging stuff on the ground, it's making that clunk, clunk, clunk noise, you know, that's said to activate an area. Um, and then renovations and digging are also a big, really big major trigger of energy. The only thing about this is you really do want to make sure you're starting on a good day. You know, it's not a sector that's afflicted for the year. If you've gone on and done renovations and you're like, everything's been fine since then, you know, don't worry about it. But if you can, I always tell people to plan renovations around these yearly energies because you can actually pick a date where the energy triggers off really well. And there's certain sectors we really do want to avoid for the year that um, don't really have a remedy if we do activate them. And those this year, I mean, we've talked about it. It's in the West and the Southwest. So it's the area specifically affected by the monkey and the rooster this year is where we're avoiding doing renovations. And that's the big, big one. Some of the other areas can be negated if we activate or trigger a big, um, you know, amount of energy and we feel like it's not really going well for us. But these two areas, however, is one that said that you can't really fix. So again, if you can choose your date and time, that'd be perfect. But renovation digging and the moving of furniture is said to activate the area. All right, if you're listening on Anchor, let's take a quick sponsor break. And I'm going to come back with a segment that I'm going to call Feng Shui Vocabulary, in which each week I will now feature a different Feng Shui vocabulary word and term so we can become familiar. Today's Feng Shui vocabulary word is auspicious. Auspicious means conductive to success or favorable. Giving or being signs of a future success, characterized by success and prosperous. And you may have heard this term when referring to what are called your um, eight mansions directions, your four auspicious and four inauspicious directions. Your auspicious directions mean directions that are favorable to you. And inauspicious obviously means directions that are unfavorable to you. So in honor of the month of the rooster, September from ChinaHighlights.com, seven things roosters symbolize in China. Besides being the 10th sign on the Chinese zodiac, popular in the year of the rooster, 2017, the rooster is symbolic of seven things in China. Number one, punctuality and honesty. 
In traditional Chinese culture, the rooster's most obvious symbolic meaning was punctuality and honesty. In ancient times, even though you could calculate the time roughly used um, using some simple timers, there is no tool like an alarm clock to help you wake up in the morning. People could hear roosters crowing every dawn, and thus the rooster's crow was taken as a signal of the beginning of a new day. Number two, bravery and competitiveness. The second thing roosters symbolize is bravery and competitiveness. This originates with the gamecock. Fighting is in the rooster's blood, and it is common to see two roosters fighting each other. In order to set up the fierce fights, people feed the fighting roosters a special diet. Many people learn bravery and competitiveness from the roosters' heroic struggles. And I will say, of course, this is frowned upon in the U.S., but when I was doing some research, I did learn that one of the um, the traditions of the Moon Festival or the Mid-Autumn Festival is some places still uh, participate in a rooster fight to commence the festivals. So, you know, we don't do this here in the U.S. anymore. It is it is considered animal cruelty, but in other cultures, it's considered... Um, you know, lucky or auspicious. Number three, holiness. So thirdly, roosters are said to symbolize ghost hunters. In Chinese folklore, all ghosts are scared away by the rooster's crow. Ghosts can only appear at night, but the rooster's crow means that day is coming. So all the ghosts fear the rooster's crow for the ghosts lose their powers at dawn. The origin of this belief was very early. People living in the lower reaches of the Yangtze River would paste a picture of a rooster on their door every single spring festival, and they would believe that this deterred the ghosts from dropping in. Older people teach children to imitate the rooster's crow, and then the children are instructed if they ever encounter a ghost, they should crow like a rooster to scare the ghost away. And, you know, a while back I was listening to a podcast, and there was a lady on there that was talking about a spiritual cleansing and she did say when she felt like there was a spirit in her house she noticed that her rooster would get on the roof and scratch at the roof and so I think that's kind of an interesting connection. The sun god so fourthly the rooster symbolizes the sun god. Ancient Chinese people thought that roosters represented the sun since they crowed every day when the sun rose. They also believed that the roosters had divine power, and in ancient times, Chinese people would use the rooster and its blood to worship the gods and protect people against evil. As early as the pre-Chin period, from 2100 to 221 BC, there were many rituals involving the sacrifice of roosters to honor the gods. Nowadays, it, this custom is still prevalent in some regions of China. Number five, luck. The fifth thing that rooster symbolizes luck. The word rooster in Chinese has a similar pronunciation for that of luck. So it's believed that before it was domesticated by people, the rooster belonged to the same family as the phoenix. Roosters are beautiful with a red comb, colorful feathers, and golden tail. So at first people called them ji, meaning luck. It's believed that the animal would bring luck to people just like the phoenix. Number six, ordinariness. The rooster represents the ordinary in China. Roosters are most common poultry and meat in China, and at the same time, Chinese people thought that even though roosters work really hard to find food every day, they find just enough with nothing to spare. 
And number seven, prosperity. In Chinese cultures, roosters suggest prosperity. They reproduce very fast, and Chinese people understand this to represent prosperity in terms of both population and wealth. In ancient China, there used to be a tradition that when the groom couldn't be present at the wedding, people would take a rooster to represent him and place it alongside the bride while conducting the wedding ceremony. So I've never, I've never heard this before. I'm not sure. I didn't know a groom didn't have to be present at a wedding. <laughs> For a free energy mapping of your floor plan, please check the link in the show notes. To support today's podcast, go to learnfengshui.com, sign up for emails, leave a review, and share with your family and friends.